While the kids are going down, I, I do have uh, two quick announcements. There's an abundance of squash in the, in the cafe from Wayne's Garden, is it? Your dad's garden. So help yourself after the service. Also, next Sunday uh, after church, um, we're going to be uh, having a fundraiser for our brother Jesus Ruiz and Leaving the Streets Ministry. Uh, Jesus has been chosen uh, by the city of Haverhill to go out to Chicago to attend a conference to become a certified gang counselor through some national organization. It's a big deal. So he's going out there at the end of July, but he needs to raise some money for his additional expenses that the city of Haverhill is not covering. So if you can be a part of it, it's $20 per plate. It'll be around 1230 next Sunday from 1230 to 3. The whole community is invited to be here as well. So you may see people from other churches or from no church, but they may want to come just to support our brother. So that's next Sunday at 1230. Okay, are we ready for the word? Ready or not, you're going to get it. Here we go. Take your Bible and turn with me to, does anyone know where we are, by the way? Third John, third John, third John, and we only have one verse today to look at. I don't know if I ever preached a message based on one verse before, but it seems to fall into place right here. So three John, uh, verse number 12, there's only one chapter, so one twelve. Uh, we're continuing, you know, we, if you're visiting today, we started in October going through the uh, the first John, the epistle of first John, then second John. Now we're in third John. So from October until right now, it's taken us that long to get to the end of three John. I believe there's one more message after this uh, from this book. But uh, I've entitled the message today, Demetrius Still Speaks. And you're wondering, who in the world is Demetrius? Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. The topic we're addressing is the power of a testimony. Verse number 12 says this. Demetrius has a good testimony from all. And from the truth itself. We also bear witness or we bear testimony. And you know that our testimony is true. Let's pray. Father... Lord, we've been blessed already. Thank you for our worship time. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of worshiping you today. Thank you, Lord, for divine interruptions in special times of prayer. Thank you, Lord, for the missions report. Thank you for the offering and all this. Thank you for the kids. But now, Lord, we pray your blessing upon the word of God. May the word of God penetrate our hearts in such a way that we will be changed Let us learn, yes, but let us be changed by the power of your word. Holy Spirit, come, teach us what we need to know. We give you all the thanks and all the glory for it now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen Amen and amen. Well, before we speak about Demetrius, I just want to reflect a little bit upon the author of this letter, John. Uh, he's the author of the Gospel of John. He's the author of 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and also the author of Revelation. But I want to just remember that he came from such humble beginnings. Uh, he was a member of the, uh, the infamous uh, fishing crew from Galilee, which was comprised of Peter and Andrew and James, his brother, and John. And they were fishermen from Galilee. They weren't really much at at face value. 
But God saw, Jesus saw something in them and he told them to lay down your nets. I'm going to make you fishers of men. Now these are men that are fishermen. They're, they're kind of like, uh, rough and gruff and crude and very opinionated. But Jesus called them to lay it all down and come follow me and become fishers of men. So here now John is writing this epistle probably some 60 years later after that. He's probably in his 90s, but he's still fighting the good fight. So I, I want to just raise the question because this sermon today is about how we can incorporate our testimony into our life. But what has God called you to do? John, uh, the Lord called John to do something very particular, and Demetrius too. But what has God called you to do? What has the Lord called us to do? Rest assured, I will guarantee you that there's something that each of us must do now that we've found Jesus and Jesus found us. There's a unique calling on all of us. What you do is going to be different than what I do and vice versa. But only you can do what you're supposed to do. Well, 3 John, as you know, if you've been following the sermons, is comprised of three characters. Four if you include the author, but three characters. Gaius, Diotrephes, and now Demetrius. And just read quickly as we go through this. Gaius is referred to as the beloved. And we had several sermons about beloved Gaius. In fact, one sermon was entitled, Is There a Gaius in the House? And everyone said, What in the world's a Gaius? It's a person. It's a, it's a person with a certain character and personality that loved God. But he's referred to as beloved. Verse number one, beloved Gaius. Verse number, now we know in the NIV it says friend. But it's more than a friend. It's someone very loving and very loved by John. But beloved guys, verse 2, verse number 5, it says beloved. Verse number 11, it says beloved. Verse number 14 says, I hope to see you soon. John really loved Gaius. He really had a special spot in his heart for Gaius. The love of Jesus was all over this man. He represented Christ well. And in verse number 2, Gaius, it says Gaius' soul prospered. That's why I said, is there a Gaius in the house? We need to have some souls that are prospering in the house of God these days. And I'm I'm trying my best as a pastor, but the church can't function on just the pastor. The church has to function with hungry hearts that want to serve God and do things for the kingdom. Then we talked about Diotrephes, verses 9 through 11. That, that sermon was entitled, if you remember, Don't Be Diotrephes. It was supposed to have a little rhyme to it. I didn't get to that during the sermon, but don't be Diotrephes. That's a little rhythm to it, you know? Don't be Diotrephes. Why? He was proud. He was independent. He was unsubmitted. He wouldn't listen to John. And I, I was so appalled that, that this person, Diotrephes, wouldn't listen to the Apostle John. I think everyone's to listen to the Apostle John, but he was rebellious. And it was a, a good example of how not to be, verses 9 through 11. And now we have Demetrius in verse number 12. He has a good testimony. So you can see from so far that uh, a testimony can be one of two things. It could be good or it could be bad. I won't ask you how many of you know someone that has a bad testimony. It's not a good thing. 
but it could be good or it could be bad. Now we won't turn here. You, you can turn to it if you want. But Second Timothy chapter 4. Paul is addressing Timothy. And he lists several acquaintances to Timothy. And he calls out some that had a bad testimony and some that had a good testimony. He says in 2 Timothy 4, verse number 10, Demas, Demas has forsaken me. He packed up, he, he went back to the world, he, he left us and went back to Thessalonica. Most people think he backslid. That's what you call as a bad testimony. Then he goes on to John Mark, verse number 11, 2 Timothy 4, 11. He says, bring me John Mark because he's useful for ministry. Wow. Don't you want to be considered as useful for ministry? But when you know the backstory of John Mark, it has more meaning to it. Because John Mark is the one in the Garden of Gethsemane that fled with everybody else. He ran away when Jesus got arrested. John Mark is the one that caused a big problem on the missions trip. He left the missions trip with Paul and Barnabas. He caused a, a big problem, and Paul and Barnabas ended up arguing heatedly about him. But now we see later in his life, Paul is saying, get me John Mark. He's useful for ministry. His testimony turned around to be a good testimony. Then we see in uh, verse number 14, uh, Paul mentions Alexander the coppersmith. I always like how he uh, identifies who this Alexander is. He's, he's not the fisherman. He's not the carpenter. He's the coppersmith. That Alexander. He, he, he now Paul's telling him that he, he, he did me much harm. He didn't listen to us. He rose up against us. Beware of Alexander. That's, that's what you call someone that has a bad testimony. In Philippians chapter 2, we hear that, that Paul is, is uh, addressing the Philippian church about Timothy. And Timothy has a great testimony. Paul says of Timothy, he says, Timothy's like-minded like me. He thinks like me. He understands ministry. He gets it. He's got proven character. He's like a son to me in the ministry. I like that. Good testimony. In Colossians 4, in verse 17, there's one little verse about one guy. His name is Archippus. And Paul says to, to, to the church of Colossae, uh, tell Archippus to fulfill the ministry that he was called to do. I call that a, an unfulfilled testimony. We don't know what happened with him. But Paul is singling him out saying, you tell Archippus he's been anointed by God. Fulfill the ministry that you're called to do. So testimonies are important. We see in 3 John verse 12, Demetrius has a good testimony. Let's define what testimony is, just so we're all on the same page. From Christianity.com, there's many different definitions you could come up with, but I like what they said. A testimony is, a, is the public confession of our faith journey and relationship with God. It's a public confession of our faith journey and relationship with God. In other words, it's how we expose our faith. It's how we let our light shine. It's how we let our salt be tasted by others. In other words, it's, it's how we let the cat out of the bag that I belong to Jesus. And we give him the praise and the glory. So let's look at verse number 12 and then we'll make some application to this. But in verse number 12... 
we see the name Demetrius. Now, you may know the name Demetrius, but it's not the one from Acts 19. Acts 19 has another Demetrius. That Demetrius was the silversmith. He's the one who heard that when the Christians were coming to Ephesus, he knew what they were going to say. Because as a silversmith, he made little statues for Diana. He'd make his money by selling these statues. And when he knew the Christians were coming, he knew that they were going to tell everyone, don't buy his statues anymore. He caused a big ruckus in the city. There was a riot in the city. There was all turmoil going on in Ephesus. But that's a different Demetrius. This Demetrius basically comes out of nowhere, just like Gaius and Diotrephes do. But certainly, John knew Demetrius. He has a good testimony. Paraphrase that. Demetrius was a man that the Christians knew, they knew him. They knew they could count on him. They knew he was sold out to the Lord. They knew that his life was surrendered to the Lord and he was usable for the Lord. Many scholars think that this Demetrius was the one who brought this letter to Gaius in the first place. Meaning that he was dependable, he was trusted, he was capable, and so forth. But everyone in the community of faith could vouch for Demetrius. He had God's best interest at heart. Let that resonate in your spirit. Can that be said of you and I? I hope so. But does everybody know in the community of faith that we're sold out to Jesus? We're surrendered to his lordship. Then we read in verse number 12, it says that he has a good testimony from all. Now, I'm, I may take a little liberty here, but I'm not so sure I'm taking too much liberty. I believe that when the, the inclusion of the phrase from all, it includes people outside of the community of faith. You know that a testimony uh, penetrates the body of Christ, but it goes beyond the body of Christ. In other words, if we're not doing out there what we do in here, we have a conflicting testimony. And that will never go over very well. Those outside uh, the community of faith also recognize him as a good man, a trustworthy man. He had a good reputation. A good reputation among Christians is very important, but no less important than among non-believers. Everybody's watching us. You know that? Everybody's watching us. You call yourself a Christian. If you're at work and they know you're a Christian and you do something a little bit off, they're going to say, man, I don't know what kind of Christian he is. I'll never go to that. I'll never believe in his God or go to his church. We see in different passages, like in Acts chapter 6, you know the story. There was the murmuring among the ladies. They weren't getting served their share of the goods. And, and they were complaining and, and the apostles went there and they said, we, we can't do that, but choose from yourself seven people that are what? That are filled with wisdom. You've got to have wisdom to deal with that problem. You've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You've got to be, you know, but they also have to have a good reputation because you're dealing with people's lives now, especially these women that are upset at you for some reason. You have to have a good reputation so that they would respect your decision. In 1 Timothy 3, we, we hear the uh, requirements for spiritual leadership. And, and interestingly, one of the requirements for spiritual leadership is to not only have a good reputation in the church, but have a good reputation outside of the church. And Paul says it explicitly. Those outside should give testimony that they respect you if you want to be a spiritual leader. So Demetrius... 
uh, has a good testimony from all. And then he goes on in verse number 12, and from the truth itself. Demetrius has a testimony from the truth. Now, what does that mean? If you go back to verse 3, verse 4, we see that Gaius testified of the truth, or the brethren testified of the truth that is in Gaius. He walked in the truth. And John says in verse 4, there's no greater joy than my children walk in truth. But here, the truth was bearing testimony or bearing witness that Demetrius was a man of God. His life lined up with the word of God. The word bears testimony that Demetrius is A-OK. And can we say the same thing about us? Can we say that our lives line up with the word of God? We're not talking perfection. We're talking about surrender and obedience to the Lord. So we have, so far, we have Christians bearing witness of Demetrius. We have uh, non-Christians bearing witness. We have the word of God bearing witness for him. And then John says, at the end of verse number 12, he says, we also bear testimony. John bears testimony. The leaders, the other Christians in in the church, we bear testimony that Demetrius is a man of God. And he, John says, uh, uh, you know that our testimony is true. In other words, you, uh, you know you could trust us, what we're saying. So Demetrius had a good testimony, a good public confession of his faith journey and relationship with God. So the title of the message is Demetrius Still Speaks. I want to tell you that his testimony interestingly, we don't even know exactly what he did. It doesn't say what he did to have a good test. All we know is that he had a good testimony. That resonates in my spirit that we need to have a good testimony. John says in another place, after he wrote this, probably not long after he wrote this, he recorded some words of an angel. You know this, this passage, Revelation twelve eleven. Talking about how the Christians defeated Satan and demonic strongholds by what? By the blood of the Lamb and what? By what? The word of their testimony. John wrote that. He, did, he, he wrote down the words of the angel. In other words, by, by, we get victory over demonic strongholds. Through the blood of Jesus, hallelujah. And by the confession and word of our testimony that he is able that what we say is important. What we say is important. But we stand on the word of God. We're saved by the blood and delivered by the blood. But the word of our testimony is important too. We need to declare it, proclaim it, and let the, let the world know where we stand. So, I want to submit to you today that Demetrius still speaks to us. And there's definitely power In our testimony, I want to give you three quick reasons why a testimony is powerful today. All right. Here's number one. A testimony always brings glory to God. Let me. A testimony is not about me and you. The testimony is about the Lord who delivered us or provided for us or healed us or whatever he did. It's about him, not about us. We're the recipient of his grace and his mercy. We don't deserve anything, by the way. We don't deserve anything. But by his mercy, what's mercy? 
when we don't get the punishment we deserve. That's mercy. What's grace? Unmerited favor and blessing. We get it all. Not because of us, but because of him. But a testimony always brings glory to God. It points to God's goodness, faithfulness, power, and grace. It's not about us. It brings glory, honor, and praise to him. Now turn with me if you would. If you want to, turn in your Bible or your Bible app. We we accept that now, you know. We accept that. I have one too. (laughs) Not, Not up here, but I do have one. But listen to this. Ephesians chapter 2. This is a great testimony that brings glory to God. You, he made alive. Who were dead in trespasses and sins. In which you once walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air. The spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And were by nature children of wrath just as the others. But God who is rich in mercy. Because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you've been saved, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. You didn't work for it. If you did, you would, you would be boasting about it. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. See, personally, I, I could tell you all about my setbacks in life. I could talk to you about my defeats, my sin, my rebellion, my failures, my heartbreaks, my disappointments. I could talk to you about how the music thing didn't work out, how sports didn't work out, relationships didn't work out, family losses, early deaths in my family, financial matters. But my testimony is that in spite of who I am, and your testimony is in spite of who you are, God saw fit to minister to your need and to pull you out of the pit and put your feet upon the rock of Jesus Christ. Amen. He gets all the glory. He gets all the praise, all the attention, all the accolades. What about you? Can you give testimony that God did something and is doing something today in your lives? I hope so. I hope so. Listen, we have the type of fellowship, and and thank the Lord, hallelujah, where we have divine interruptions. That happened today. I don't know if you were aware of it. I broke a guitar string. That always messes me up. It, you know, <laughs> I think the Lord wanted me out of the way for a few minutes, to tell you the truth. <laughs> and it was fine. But see, we have something to testify. You can go to work tomorrow and say, hey, at, at my church the other day, yesterday, man, God showed up. What do you mean God showed up? Man, there was a holy disruption going on in that place. God was ministering to people. Well, yeah, you could talk about your salvation, but for some of us, that was a long time ago. That's why I'm so thankful. We had something today that happened. We have a testimony today that happened. (laughs) Philippians, Philippians 2, verse 13 says, It is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. 
I want to I want to tell you that, you know, you know, God saved you. God delivered you or whatever. I, I, I love these testimonies. I'm going to share this real quick. And all glory goes to God. We've been praying for some people in our church for physical healing, for for uh, um, for uh, financial blessing, for resources and so forth. And God works in mysterious ways. But our brother Aaron, so sick with Crohn's disease, he couldn't take the medicine because it was so expensive. It's $10,000 a, a, a pop for like a three month. It was, it was prohibitive. And he got sicker and sicker. We were praying. All those emails, all the Sunday nights, we're praying and praying. Now, God didn't heal him, but you know what God did? He re- Somehow the, the, medic, the medical expenses went down from thousands to $5 a pop. How do you figure that? How do you figure that? I, 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 we prayed for our, our sister Katie a few weeks ago. Katie has some serious health issues. Serious. Similar situation. She wasn't being covered by her employer. Something happened. We prayed for healing. Lord, heal her, heal her, heal her. Well, God is still working on that part. But somewhere behind the, 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 the lines, someone stepped up to defend her and is fighting for her rights to get the proper medical care. That's an answer to prayer. Absolutely. All glory to God. That's a testimony. I think of our dear sister, Alinda. Many of you don't know Alinda. She lives in Virginia, but she was here several years ago. But she's always on our live stream. And uh, the Zoom, not, not the Zoom, but the live streams. And uh, she said, please pray for my financial situation. I, I don't know. I, I may be getting evicted. We prayed and we prayed. And she was very despondent. But all of a sudden, she wrote me last week. She said, miraculously, my thing went through and all my stuff is paid for. I'm telling you, church, that is a testimony. So, listen, those people and we all, we still have issues we're trusting God for. Amen? But we can't discount the little, not that they're little, but the smaller things that happen. When we're praying to God, we may be praying, Lord, bring healing. He may do it around the back door a different way. But all glory and praise goes to God. Amen. The second thing is this. Demetrius still speaks. Testimonies still, still, still speak today is, is this. A testimony always keeps us humble. Now, you have to get this. Because you can't make your testimony bigger than God. Like, look at me. No, no, no. Look at him. And when we look at him, we get low. We get, you know, we get, we, we take a step back. And we have to. We have to. But if we glorify God as in number one, there's no room for self-glorification. Both of us can't get the glory. God gets the glory. We receive the blessing from him, whatever he decides to do. If we receive the glory, we're defeating the purpose. And we need to catch a glimpse of his glory. It must humble us. At salvation, I trust you had a, a glimpse of his glory, which brought you to your knees which made you realize, I'm a sinner, I need God's help. And we sense the presence of God and we surrendered, we, we sense the glory of God. But like I said, for some of us, that was a long time ago. Again, I'm so happy today happened the way it did. When we could think back, I'm going to think about this tomorrow morning. Lord God, just 24 hours ago, in our church, you showed up. Hallelujah. You are exalted. We are totally 
humbled. But see, this needs to break us. We need to be broken before God. When God answers a prayer, when, uh, when uh, we get a word from someone, the gifts of the Spirit are up, that's another thing. Can we think, just ponder the gifts of the Holy Spirit are in operation? Someone speaks in a tongue, and someone interprets the tongue for the edification of the body of Christ. That is a miracle to him of the glory, and we're humbled by it. We've got to be humbled by it. it. If we start taking that for granted, we're in a whole lot of trouble. Well, what will happen is, Ichabod, the Spirit of God, will depart, probably, if that happens. Isaiah chapter 6 tells a wonderful story. You don't have to turn to it. I'm just going to tell the story real quick. It's a story of Isaiah who, who, who was called into ministry. Isaiah had a vision. And in the vision, he saw the Lord high and lifted up. The train of his robe filled the temple. And he sees angels worshiping God. And the angels are singing, holy, holy, holy to the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with, his, with your, your glory. And the doorpost shook, and the house was filled with smoke in the presence of God. I didn't see any smoke today, but I felt the presence of God this morning. I feel it now. So Isaiah's response to that was, you know the story if, you, if you're familiar. What do you say? Woe is me. I am undone. Paraphrase. I can't take being in the presence of God. I'm around people with unclean lips. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. I can't take it. I can't stand in the presence that he breaks down. That's a proper response to the presence of God. Hello? Let me just throw in a little thing. When we're worshiping God, sometimes you may want to get out of your seat and just lay down at the altar. Go ahead and do it. You may want to sit down or kneel down or walk around or whatever you want to do. Just respond to the presence of God. It glorifies him and it humbles us and it must humble us. This whole thing about humility is really big. Pride is a tool of the enemy. Pride is Satan's number one characteristic. I want to be like God. Yeah? Boot it out. (laughs) You'll never be like me, the Lord said. But pride is always the mark of Satan in our lives. Some people say it's the 666. Well, okay. But in real life, in real time, you could tell a mark of Satan on somebody's life by how much pride they have. You could tell how, much, how, how close someone is to the Lord by how much humility they have. But in any case, Isaiah's response is, I can't take it. He breaks down. And you know what happens? An angel comes, takes a coal from the altar, and puts it on his lips and cleans his lips and, and washes him. He's, he's made right. He's made whole. And then he hears the Lord say, who shall send us? Who, who shall go for us? Who shall we send? And until that moment, Isaiah was not ready to go. Maybe he had pride. Something had a break in him. But now that he's broken, he's beside him, he's undone. Who will go for us? Isaiah says, Here I am, Lord, send me. If you want me, I'll go. Now, Isaiah didn't know the end of the story that where he was going, the people would never listen to him anyway, but that was beside the point. The point was, will you go in obedience? You will never go if you're filled with pride and arrogance. But a testimony is, we see God. We recognize he saved me. Hello? He saved you. 
That's big news. We can never get, get away from the awe of God or being in awe of God. Once we, once we lose that perspective, we're on our way down. We must stay in awe of God until we see him face to face. So a testimony always humbles us, exalts the Lord. I think of myself in, in, in my time of salvation. I was humbled before the Lord. But over the course of the, the last the many years, I, I, I read this verse in, in Chronicles. 1 Chronicles 16, 34. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. For his mercy endures forever. Do you know that one verse? I mean, I've said that verse a lot of times. But there are times when that one verse will bring tears to my eyes. When I realize that God is good. He's a good God. He's a faithful God. He's a merciful God. He's not out to get us. He's out to build us up and to help us. Even when things don't go my way, God's a good God. We need to understand God is good. We sang it this morning. right? Lord, you are good. Your mercy endures forever. Breaking guitar strings and all that, but you're still good, God. You know, God is good. So here's a testimony to bring glory to God. In March of 2020, churches were shut down because of COVID. Do you remember? This church was closed along with other churches. Everything was closed. But we discovered live stream and Zoom. And emails took on a new life. And texting took on a new life. And, and we continued to worship and, and preach and teach and fellowship the best we could. And little by little, the restrictions were lifted. We got back together. But let me tell you, it was a humbling experience for me and for the congregation to go from a church of however big we were before to after all of that, at the end of 2020, 30, 40, 50 people, maybe 20 people online from where we were before. That was humbling. But in, in the humility, God was exalted. And what do we see now? I, I, you know, I, uh, the Lord gave me this last night. He said, tell the church what we see now is life happening in the churches. Jesus visiting the churches. People getting saved in the churches. People getting healed in the churches. And I see it happening this morning. After the Lord laid that on my heart last night. You follow me? The Lord was dealing with me already before it even happened. I give him praise. I give him thanks. Hallelujah. So a testimony still speaks today. It gives glory to God and it better make us humble. Number three is this. A testimony always should bring a challenge to someone else to go deeper. Paul's testimony, you know his story, Damascus Road, but in Acts chapter 9, Acts uh, 22 and 26, there, there are three episodes of his testimony. And each time it was given, it was to be a challenge for other people to believe in his God. First, it was the, the, uh, the, the, Jewish, uh, the Christian Jewish leaders in Jerusalem that didn't believe that he really got saved. Well, he really did, but that was a challenge for them to believe what the Lord could do. In Acts 22, he was talking to the people of Israel, sharing his testimony to give them an opportunity to believe like he believed. Acts 26, it was, he was in court speaking to King Agrippa. 
And he shares his testimony. And King Agrippa says these words that are, that are kind of a, a haunting sound. But he said to Paul, Paul, you almost persuade me to believe like you. Almost. But a testimony always has to bring a challenge to somebody else that's hearing what we're saying. I'm going to close out this sermon by sharing a testimony. Some of you probably heard this, but it's not my testimony. Well, it is, it is part of my testimony. It led to my salvation, but it's my friend Lenny Stadler's testimony. Lenny, many of you know, is the, is the young man that led me and Pamela to the Lord many years ago. But here's, here's Lenny's testimony. Uh, Lenny and I were in college together. We were in a band together. We could care less about being in school. We wanted to play music. And we, were, we had a good band, but those guys were getting deeper into it. And I knew if I went deeper into it, my father would basically kill me. And I didn't want to do that. So I quit the band. But anyway, Lenny kept going with the band. And he got into different bands. He finally settled on a band, uh, a, southern, a hard southern rock band. Think of uh, Leonard Skinner, but heavier. Um, called Blackfoot. You could Google him. Lenny was lost, man. He was lost. He was a good guy. I used to sleep at his house every now and then. He was a good guy. I knew his family. He was, I was lost too, but I knew he was lost. We were both lost, but we lost contact. Anyway, Lenny got, got in with this band Blackfoot, and Blackfoot was touring on the East Coast. And uh, very popular. Lenny had hair down to here. They were living the whole rock scene. They were into it 110%. They were in all the way. But Lenny had a grandfather that Lenny called Papa. You know, that, that's a southern thing. We say Gramps or Grandpa. They say Papa down south. So Papa was p- praying for Lenny's salvation. Lenny could care less about Papa and his prayers. But after a couple of years, of, now Lenny's probably in his early 20s. After a couple of years of this, Lenny, Lenny's at a party. They always had these parties after their gigs. And he had this sharp pain in his heart. And it like, like made him drop. He just kind of brushed it off. He thought he was doing too many drugs or whatever. But it kept happening. And finally he decided to go to a doctor. He told his family he had to go to a doctor. But Papa was praying for Lenny. And so the doctors ran these very extensive tests on Lenny. And they said, Lenny, you have a very serious heart defect. You're going to need surgery. But if we do the surgery, you only have a 50-50 chance of making it through the surgery. So Lenny's kind of panicking, you know. So Papa was praying for Lenny, but Lenny decided to make a deal with God. I shared this a few weeks ago. When you make a vow to God or a deal with God, be careful what you say. But he made a, he made a deal with God. He, this is what he said. Lord, if you, if you healed me, I'll quit the band. Now, they were big. I'm telling you, they were big. Getting ready for a big contract with Atlantic Records. They were on the East Coast. They were big. They were popular. They had a following. And Lenny said, Lord, if you heal me, I'll quit the band. So he goes into the hospital for this surgery. Papa is praying, by the way. And the day before the surgery, they run these tests, you know, the, the preliminary tests. And uh, he's in there. He's ready to have the surgery. And the doctor comes back in the room that afternoon and says, Lenny, we don't know what happened, but all the tests we took... The problem we discovered before, you don't have that problem. We can't find it anymore. And Lenny says, oh. 
So the doctor says, but Lenny, we want to go in there anyway to see what's going on in there. Lenny says, you're not cutting me open. I'm getting out of here. And Lenny checked himself out of the hospital and went home. True story. He said, I know what happened. God healed me. The doctors are saying, ah. So Lenny goes home and he goes back to the band. Now he's playing with the band again, but he remembers he made a vow. And now he's miserable because he can't enjoy it anymore. Everyone's getting high and doing this music and going everywhere and everything's crazy. And he's over there going back to the bus or going back to his hotel room reading his Bible. And after a while, after a couple of weeks, the guy said, Lenny, what's the matter with you? And finally, Lenny fessed up. He said, I can't do this anymore. God healed me of my heart problem. Now, they were ready to kill Lenny because they're on the verge of a big record deal. If they lose their bass player, what's going to happen to their record deal? They even threatened him in some way. I don't want to go into all that, but he was in a predicament. But he said, you know what? I've got to quit this band, and I'm going to give my life to God. And sure enough, he gave his life to God. That's a, now Lenny told me all that. When he told me that, I said, I want that God. If God could help you with your problems, I think he could help me with my problems. And that night, he led me and Pamela to the Lord. I'll never forget it. In, in his little trailer in North Carolina, we bowed down in prayer. We said the sinner's prayer. The Holy Spirit came on us. I'm telling you, we got saved. But it was based upon a testimony. So Lenny, uh, Lenny went back to college. I went back to college. He went on to get his master's degree. He went on to get his PhD from Asbury Theological Seminary, Carol, where Rebecca goes. In, uh, I don't know, biblical studies or something. He became a very successful pastor of a charismatic Methodist church in Charlotte, North Carolina for probably 20 or 30 years. Now, after a while, a few years ago, uh, Lenny did pass away from cancer, but his heart was fine. The cancer got the best of him. But I'm telling you, his testimony is still in my heart. It changed, his testimony changed my life. And I, I'm not even sick. But when I realized what God did for him, because I know Lenny, he wouldn't make it up. <laughs> and I, I knew God was real. So I just want to leave you with that, that a testimony is still valid today. Um, Demetrius still speaks. The testimony must challenge others to believe. Do you get the progression? It gives glory to God. It keeps us humble. And it challenges others to believe. Let's stand together if we can. I hope that you are challenged today to figure out your testimony. I think I told you. I keep a few tucked in my back pocket that are, you know, different ones for different occasions. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, where, where your, has your life taken you? You probably have different experiences. I got a bunch of experiences. So if I'm with this group of people, I got this testimony. But if I'm with this group of people, I got this testimony. <laughs> if I'm with them, I got another one, you know? So I, I'm, I'm asking you, think about it, pray about it. What can you say to somebody that will encourage them to surrender their life to Jesus? It'll give glory to God. It'll keep you humble. It'll challenge somebody else. 
Okay, let's, let's, uh, let's read verse number 12, and then we're going to pray just a second. Can we read it together? Demetrius has a good testimony from all and from the truth itself. We also bear witness, and you know that our testimony is true. One more time. Demetrius has a good testimony from all and from the truth itself. And we also bear witness, and you know that our testimony is true. Every head bowed for just a minute. Hallelujah. Grateful for everyone that's here today. Grateful for those online today. But as we often do, we like to close out the service with an invitation. Because you're hearing all this talk about a testimony. Maybe you don't have a testimony. It didn't begin yet. So we want to give you an opportunity to begin a testimony. I want to ask you to raise your hand if this is you. Have you come to a place in your life where you realize all the stuff you're doing, all the adventures you've taken, all the things you've done, all the things you know and experienced has left you high and dry. If you come to a place and you realize you need more than that, you need Jesus. Is there anyone like that that wants to receive Jesus today? Raise your hand if that's you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for that. All right, we're going to pray for you in just a minute. Second thing is this. Some of us have been around church. We've been in church for a while. And we always hear these fantastic testimonies. And, and we're always like, you know, uh, encouraged by them and uh, compelled by them. But we always end up saying to ourselves, but I never have anything like that. I don't know, church. I want to challenge you to start thinking a little differently that you have a testimony. You know how God worked in your life. You know what you got saved from. You know what God pulled you out of and brought you into. You know the people he brought into your life to help you along the way. I want to ask you, just raise your hand if this is you. You want to begin a testimony. You want to begin to share your testimony. Anyone like that? I I want a prayer to know how to do that. Anyone like that? All right. Come on. I said this a few weeks ago. Did I just preach for an hour and only a couple of hands went up? Come on. Do you want to have the anointing to share a testimony? Man, yes. Yes. And the last part is this. Do you want your life to reflect the glory of God so that others will want what you have? That's the testimony right there. All right, we're going to pray. As I pray right now, that first question, if, if you want to receive Jesus in your life, I'm going to ask you to be brave and make your way up to the altar. And some of our men and women will gather over you, pray over you. So if you feel like you want to receive Jesus, come on up here. Just stand over here. It's not for our sake. It's for, for your, uh, for your, your, your uh, opportunity to tell the Lord you're sincere. Praise God. Some of the brothers and sisters, gather around these if if you can, okay? Thank you. And I'm going to ask those that want to receive Christ to say this. I'm going to ask everyone to say this prayer with me. Let's say it all together. Dear Father. Dear Father. 
I love you. And I need you. I know all my efforts are falling short. I've come to this place in my life where I am desperate for you. Lord God, I believe in Jesus Christ that he died on the cross. He was buried. He rose from the grave on the third day. He ascended into heaven and he promised to come back again. I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe that Jesus arose for me. And right now, I open up my heart and I ask this Jesus to come into my life to forgive me of my sins, to abide with me, and to change my life. Lord God, with your help, I give you my word today. I will do my best to be your servant all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. I'm going to pray now. Father God, thank you for that. Thank you for those that said that prayer. We pray for your Holy Spirit to seal the work, oh God. Seal the work. Let nothing interfere. Let no uh, thieves come in to steal those seeds of faith that have been planted right now. We pray, Lord, that you would lead these dear brothers and sisters uh, into fellowship with other believers. That we would take time and, and, and allow time to minister your love to other people. Lord, I want to pray for those that, that want to share a testimony but don't know how. Lord, for years, personally, I never thought I had anything to say, but I realized I've got a lot to say because I serve a big God. Lord, I pray for everyone in this room, everyone on live stream to recognize that they serve a big God too, and God has done great things in their lives. I pray, Lord, that they would know how to, how to articulate that, how to share what you have done in their lives with other people, that you would be glorified, that they would be humbled, and that the other person would be challenged. Father, we pray that our testimony would lead others to you. Lord God, use our lives. Use our lives. Lord, it's been said that uh, our lives are the only word that people will ever hear or see. Well, maybe initially. But in other words, Lord, let our lives be a testimony to the God that we serve. That you are able to take the least of us and to transform us into strong men and women of God. So Lord, thank you for the word today. I pray blessings over the congregation, those at home, on the live stream. Pray for the kids downstairs. Lord, thank you for our teachers. But Lord, may your blessing be upon us. And may this testimony go through our families, our communities, our workplaces, that we know our God is able. And we thank you and praise you for it now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. All right. If you have kids downstairs, you're being paged to pick up your children. Uh, if anyone needs special prayer, the altars are still open. God bless you. See you on the live stream tonight at 6.